Hello, and welcome to the Williamsburg Unitarian Universalists. We are a vibrant liberal religious community that treasures diversity, practices justice, and teaches love and respect for everyone. We grow spiritually through worship, shared learning and service and relationships that go deep. As we say each Sunday, whoever you are, whomever you love, whatever your image of the holy, your presence here is a gift. All are worthy, all are welcome. Good morning. I'm Nan Hart, your worship associate today. And it is my pleasure to welcome you to the Williamsburg Unitarian Universalist online worship service. Our greeter today is Paulina Carrion. Our other worship leaders today are our minister, Reverend Laura Horton Ludwig, our director of religious education, Austin Peterson, and our assistant director of music, Dave Robbins. <clears throat> Excuse me. If you'd like to follow along with the order of service, I invite you to visit wuu.org to download a copy. If you're visiting today, we're glad you're here. We'll have a special breakout group at the end of the service for visitors and newcomers to gather. If you'd like to meet other new folks, as well as some of us who have been around for a while, please let us know by typing a quick note into the chat. And if you'd like to sign up for our email list, please fill out our online visitor form at wuu.org. Now, an important announcement, please mark your calendars for a night of classical music with Dave Robbins on Saturday, January 30th at 6 p.m. to kick off our week-long Sounds of the Season fundraising event. This fundraiser is being held in lieu of our traditional auction with a few music related prizes up for virtual bidding during the concert and throughout the week. Now I invite you to listen and maybe sing along to a song written by Eileen Vance, a contemporary California songwriter and activist and sung today by Leah Morris, a black musician who lives in Washington, DC. Morally, I was led to nonviolence because I felt that it was the best moral way to deal with the problem. We were seeking to establish a just society. And uh, it was my feeling then and it is my feeling now that uh, violence is certainly much more uh, socially destructive and it creates many more social problems than it solves. So I was led to nonviolence for deep moral reasons. And I turned to it because I felt that it was the morally excellent way to deal with the problem of racial injustice in our country. There is no freedom, the wise men said. Let justice roll down, roll down when the Cry out for shelter and bread Let justice roll down like a mighty stream Oh, children, don't you get We re-walk together Believe in the dream When the way gets rough We'll make a new 
Again, welcome. We are happy that you have joined us via live stream audio or video or Zoom. Whether you have come seeking comfort, encouragement, or inspiration, you belong here. You are seen here, even if you are joining by phone and we cannot see you physically. Now I invite you, invite you to join in saying our welcoming words. Please, as you say these words, speak them to each other and know that we are connected across the distance. The words are pasted into the Zoom chat. Let's say them in unison as, as well as we can. Folks on Zoom, we will unmute you so that you can hear each other. Come, wherever you are, whatever you love. Whatever Every your image of the holy, your presence here is here. All are welcome. Good morning, indeed. Our call to worship on this Martin Luther King Jr. Sunday is by Sharon Wiley, a white UU minister who serves in San Diego. It is said that religious communities are here to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. May our time together this morning be a comfort and a confrontation. May we here find peace in times of tumult. May we here invite tumult into lives of peace. 
May we here find calm in times of restlessness. May we here allow restlessness to evolve into action. Let this be the place you consider what you've never considered. Let this be the place you imagine for yourself something new and unthinkable. May this hour bring dreams of new ways of being in the world. Come, let us worship together. Now please join me in saying the words to light our chalice. If you have a chalice or candle handy nearby, please go ahead and light it now as we spotlight Luca, Ben Yeshe Sapalio, lighting a chalice. Again, we'll unmute you and say the words in unison. We light this chalice for the warmth of love, for the light of truth, for the energy of action, and for the harmony of peace. Peace, peace in, in our, our hearts, hearts, peace in our community, and peace in our world. Well done, Luca. Thank you. I love the book setup. I have a story for you today that's a true story. Um, it's a story about me as a high schooler. Now, when I was in high school, I went to a girls' Catholic school. And um, I wanna be clear that I have nothing but respect and warm memories for the nuns that ran this, this school. They were social justice Catholics and really neat feminist women. And I had a best friend and her name was Jean. And Jean was black and I am white. And this was in Ohio, in Northern Ohio. And you also need to know one other thing. I was really, really a shy person when I was in high school. I didn't like big groups, especially big groups of people I didn't know. Um, I liked predictability and a routine. And so actually the, the girls Catholic school worked really well for me. There was a lot of predictability and routine. And so Jean and I, you know, we were typical teenagers. It was like there was a constant conversation happening all the time. We had classes together, we'd go to English class, we'd go to math class, and at least once a week we'd go to mass. And um, at mass one day, I remember looking at her and rolling my eyes, um, and she kind of looked at me and said, you know, my church has way better music. You should come to my church and I will show you what joyful music is all about. And I felt really nervous because, you know, there would be this huge big group of people and I didn't know them. And I knew that Protestant churches had different um, traditions about, you know, when do you stand up? How do you do um, all this stuff? How should I dress? Because I also remembered Jean telling me that in black churches, you dressed up. You put on a hat, you put on your gloves, you wore your Sunday best, you know, it was a whole thing. And I felt really nervous and I wasn't really sure what to do. And I think the moral of her invitation that I'll offer is this. A, it's really important to have lots of different kinds of friends. 
And when your friend invites you to go see some music, and maybe you don't know a whole lot about the music, as I didn't in that case, say yes. Find a way to say yes to something that's new, maybe a little unfamiliar. In that case, say yes to something that makes you uncomfortable. And I explained to her, oh man, I'm gonna feel uncomfortable because I don't know what to do. I don't know what to wear. How is this gonna go? And she kind of laughed at me. I mean, you know, like a friend does, right? And she said, oh no, honey, that's not uncomfortable. That's you being shy. Uncomfortable is when a whole bunch of black people in their church see a bunch of white people walk into the church uninvited, wearing white clothes and not knowing exactly what's gonna happen. That's uncomfortable. You're just feeling shy and awkward. And frankly, as a teenager, I had never thought about that. It really took me aback that I was being extended an invitation that in another context could be really scary for her. The amount of bravery that would take. And yet she was still saying, come with me. We can have a nice time. Let me show you how. A continuation of that same conversation was her saying to me, and another thing, with true jubilance of teenagerhood, another thing, your mother has ridiculous curtains and I hate them. <laughs> yeah, you heard that right, she didn't like the curtains. And I couldn't for the life of me figure out what in the world Jean was talking about. I said, what, you don't like periwinkle? What's wrong with blue? I thought you liked blue. Wait a minute, I know that blue is your favorite color. And she said, no, they are shears. And I said, what? I don't get it. And she said, yeah, because that's a white thing. And I still didn't get it. She had to explain to me that at nighttime, she really hated going to my house because my mom did have sheer blue curtains, which were beautiful. Um, my mom had sheer blue curtains, but the thing about shears and nighttime is that you can kind of see through a little bit, right? You can see the shadows and stuff moving around. And she had to explain to me that a lot of black people still felt that they had to have blackout curtains on, especially on their front windows in order to feel safe in their own homes. Gut-wrenching, right? that she would be afraid to come to my house and you know play board games or whatever we were doing. And so the other invitation with this, I think is how can we make sure that our friends feel safe? You know, I, in my context, I had no idea that she felt unsafe until she told me. So what can we do to make our friends feel safe? And how can we say yes to their invitations? So I know we can't leave our houses right now, but I have a challenge for you. In honor of Jean and her general awesomeness, 
I would like you to think of a culture you don't know much about and find a song from that culture, find a way to make food from that culture. Perhaps there's a recipe that you've never tried. Um, maybe you have never heard Indonesian music before. Well, we have this wonderful internet and you can go online and find yourself a beautiful Indonesian song. Listen to it, enjoy. Learn something a little bit new and really feel that invitation. Now, I will admit, um, probably a lot of us know Bruce Hornsby. For me, this was a new piece of music and that we're about to hear. And it is wonderful. I mean, local boy does good, right? Bruce Hornsby is a white songwriter, singer-songwriter from Williamsburg, a local kid who's had a huge impact on the local music scene and frankly, the international music scene. In 1986, his song, The Way It Is About the Civil Rights Movement swept the country. And today we'll hear it played by our very own Dave Robbins. And if you feel so moved, let us know which song you listened to, which recipe you tried. What new thing did you invite into your life? Blessed be.
And I want to thank you for your sharing today and Dave for your sharing that song. I was a freshman in high school when that song came out. I remember what a great impact it had on my heart, on my heart. And it's really good to hear it today in our worship space. And now would you be with me in a spirit of meditation, reflection, and prayer? I offer this prayer by Ashley Haran. She's a white UU minister from Minnesota who serves as the organizing strategy director for our Unitarian Universalist Association. Another world is possible. We say it again and again, even when the proof lies somewhere beyond the horizon beyond our reach, beyond our imagination. This is our faith. Another world is possible. Not somewhere else, another world, another lifetime, but here and now for us and for all. Another world is possible. There is no single path toward that world. No one strategy or approach that will restore balance, heal brokenness, sow wholeness, free creation. There are many routes toward liberation, toward freedom. But the abundance of options does not absolve us of the responsibility of acting. Another world is possible. In this time of despair, of fear, of collapse, this time that is both like every other era and like no other time in history. It is audacious to declare our faith and to commit our work to a world that is more free, more just, more whole. But we are an audacious people in good company with many kin. And we are ready to show up and work hard and stay humble and make friends and hold the vision, persevering however long it takes until that other world is not only possible, but another world is here. May this be so. And as we continue to open our hearts, let us lift up all the joys and sorrows and concerns that are present among this beloved community.
especially this week. May our elected officials be safe and well, especially our president-elect and vice president-elect, all our elected representatives and all those who are charged with their protection. May they be safe and well. And may those who have turned to violence, whether out of fear or pain or delusion, may they find a path to re repentance and reconciliation and peace. On this day, we continue to hold in care all those who are sick or in pain and all who care for them and all who are mourning a loss. Today, especially, Susan Fournier has asked that we think of her family in DC. They are sick with COVID and we wish them a speedy and good recovery along with so many others who are suffering from the virus. Today, we hold all those who are hungry or cold or frightened or simply exhausted. We especially hold those who will be helping with our winter shelter this coming week and for the guests that we will welcome. May rest and refuge be found abundantly and may we help make that so. Friends, there is a lot today in our world, in our hearts, among our community, among our loved ones. So I invite you now to just take some time and add your own silent prayers and meditations, however is right for you. May comfort and courage find us. May love find us. May we be well. May all be well. Amen and blessed be. Our Centering Hymn is a song created many generations ago by enslaved Black people. Over my head, 
a song of resilience and hope. Wherever you are, will you sing it now? Over my head, I hear music in the air. Over my head, I hear music in the air. Over my head, I hear music in the air. There must be a God somewhere. Over my head, I hear singing in the air. Over my head, I hear singing in the air. Over my head, I hear singing in the air. There must be a God somewhere. Sunday, we make an offering from the bounty we are blessed to enjoy. We do so in a spirit of generosity and in recognition of our ongoing commitment to serve our world and share our values. If you are joining us for the first time, please feel free to give if you wish, and also know that your presence is gift enough. Today is a Share the Plate Sunday. All of your gifts today will go to the new Martin Luther King Jr. Memorial Committee in support of finally creating a monument to commemorate Dr. King's visit to Williamsburg in 1962. Brian Smalls, 
president of our local NAACP chapter and leader of this project, has recorded a video message to tell us more. The 1960s in our country was a tumultuous time. It was the height of the civil rights era. There were boycotts and sit-ins. There were small-scale protests and larger ones throughout our nation. There were many leaders who became synonymous with the civil rights era, but none more than the late Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. In June of 1962, Dr. King made his way here to Williamsburg, Virginia. And on one warm summer night, Dr. King spoke before a packed sanctuary at the historic First Baptist Church here in Williamsburg, Virginia. His visit was monumental and it left a lasting mark on the greater Williamsburg community. In the late 1980s, a proposal was made to commemorate Dr. King's visit almost three decades earlier. It was proposed that a memorial be erected at the corner of Scotland and Prince George's streets in the city of Williamsburg. A sign was placed on that corner that reads, the future site of the Martin Luther King Jr. Memorial. While the proposal was well-intended, there was no plan of action to follow up and ensure that the memorial was ever erected. Fast forward three more decades later, and still there is no memorial. In the fall of 2018, Vice Mayor for the City of Williamsburg, Scott Foster, approached me about revisiting the memorial concept. After discussions between he and I, the conversation expanded to other city leaders, and eventually a committee was formed to move this effort forward. One thing the committee determined was that the memorial was bigger than just Dr. King. There were civil rights icons, business and faith leaders, educators, and all types of individuals right here in the city of Williamsburg who never got their just due in helping make Williamsburg what it is today. As a result, the committee instead came up with the concept of recognizing these individuals from right here in addition to Dr. King. Today, we are full steam ahead with the MLK Community Memorial. Our committee has gotten assistance from city leaders, the College of Women Mary, Colonial Williamsburg, just to name a few partners that are going to help us make this memorial reality. Now, in order for this memorial to become a reality, we need financial support from the community. We already have some funds committed to this project. However, when WUU reached out, we were elated and excited that you guys wanted to be involved with this project. WUU is always on the front lines of making sure that when it comes to justice and equity in our community, that you guys make it happen. We are excited that you guys are joining us in this effort and to assist us financially with this project. Your contributions will go a long way into helping see this effort come to completion. On behalf of the MLK Community Memorial Committee, I say thank you for your willingness to contribute to such a worthwhile cause. Blessings to you all. If you'd like to give through our website, please visit wuu.org and click on Give Online to WUU. If you'd like to give by text, please text the dollar amount of your gift to 757 500 0688. That's 757-500-0688. And follow the prompts from there. 
or if you prefer to give by check, please mail your check to WUU 3051 Ironbound Road, Williamsburg, Virginia 23185. Thank you so much. Our offertory music today is by Walter Braxton, a black composer from Richmond who was a personal friend of Dave Robbins. Sadly, he died of COVID last spring. Thank you for introducing us to that beautiful piece. I appreciate that so much. And I wanna just say um, what a joy it is to be able to contribute to this monument in our own community. Um, special thanks to our social justice leaders, Helen Hansen and Jessica Sapalio for helping us get connected with that project. So let's take a moment and look back on the past year, one year since we observed Martin Luther King Day in 2020, could we even have imagined all that's happened? It has been so much, the COVID pandemic, which as we know has taken the lives of black, indigenous and Latino, Latina Americans at almost three times the rate of European Americans. 
and has also thrown millions of families into severe financial crisis, hunger, housing insecurity, with families of color about twice as likely to be experiencing severe hardship right now. All this in less than a year. And after the pandemic hit came the terrible news of the death of George Floyd. We remember also Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, and too many others whose names have become a byword for racial violence in this last year alone. But out of this deep sorrow, have we not also begun to feel a sense of hope in the air, fragile but real. The Black Lives Matter protests all over the country, all over the world have created a sense of momentum and hope like nothing we have seen in decades. The growing awareness among white Americans that systemic racism is real and deadly, that it has to change. And then in November, we saw the election of a black woman of South Asian descent to the office of vice president of the United States. And last week, the election of only the second black senator to represent a Southern state since reconstruction. But then with last week's mob attack on the US Capitol, that precious sense of hope has been in danger of being drowned out by the fear, shock, and anger vibrating all around us. To think that our president, who was supposed to be the leader of the country, our president incited a violent assault on the Capitol on our duly elected representatives because they would not go along with his delusional claims that he had won the election. And now, just this last week, he's been impeached again. But doesn't it feel hard even to take that in? Because we're also dealing with these rumors that the white supremacist networks that our president has been stirring up are now trying to organize demonstrations and perhaps even armed attacks on the inauguration, on multiple state capitals. And meanwhile, the pandemic is still spreading and it is scary out there. Folks, this is a lot. This is a lot. These are volatile, fear-filled days and it might be hard for us to hold on to hope for that future. It may be hard to believe in the words of hope that were first spoken by the Unitarian minister and anti-slavery activist, Theodore Parker, in 1853, but I will offer them again to you now. Again, this is a white minister, Unitarian minister, Theodore Parker. The year was 1853 and he said, I do not pretend to understand the moral universe. The ark is a long one. My eye reaches but little ways. I cannot calculate the curve and complete the figure by the experience of sight. I can divine it by conscience. But from what I see, I am sure it bends toward justice.
Theodore Parker wrote those words four years after the Fugitive Slave Act, just four years before the infamous Dred Scott decision in which the Supreme Court ruled that Black Americans could not ever be citizens, eight years before the Civil War began and nearly tore our country apart. But still, even El Nos tumultuous times, Theodore Parker believed from what he saw, from what he saw, that the arc of the moral universe bent towards justice. And he had the standing to say that because he was working so hard to bend that arc. Theodore Parker was an abolitionist and a Unitarian parish minister in Boston. He worked with both white and black members of the congregation to protect fugitive slaves who had made it that far, including by hiding some of them in his own home. Legend tells us he wrote his sermons with a gun in his desk drawer, just in case the slave hunters came knocking on his door. Theodore Parker believed the arc of the moral universe bent toward justice because it bent his own heart and his own actions toward justice and protection of those who were vulnerable. Many years later, Dr. King made the same audacious, hope-filled claim in times just as fraught. Dr. King had read Parker's sermons, and in the face of fire hoses and police dogs, beatings, shootings, and bombings, he too believed and preached from what he saw, that the moral arc of the universe bends toward justice. He and so many others of, of heroes of the civil rights movement believed that from the depth of their own hearts. They knew their own worth in spite of the insane delusions of an entire culture. They believed it in the face of hatred and violence and every last challenge that white supremacy could throw at them. They believed that the power that created this universe was love and they knew that love is stronger than anything. I invite you now to listen with me to Dr. King in his own words. This is gonna be an excerpt from a sermon he gave called Remaining Awake Through a Great Revolution. He preached this on March 31st, 1968 at the Washington National Cathedral as part of the Poor People's Campaign demanding economic and racial justice. He challenges each and every one of us to stay strong and use all that we have in the service of love and compassion, even in the face of hate, violence, and even indifference. Four days after Dr. King preached these words, he was dead, murdered at the Lorraine Motel in Memphis, Tennessee. But over the 53 years since then, we have done our best to keep the faith that even in the most difficult times, the arc of the moral universe does bend toward justice and we can speed its progress with the work of our hearts and hands. So once again, even now, we are here to declare that hope is not a lie, 
that love is real and justice is on its way. We are here to declare that it is our privilege and our joy to add the efforts of our hearts and our hands to speed our nation's journey toward real justice and flourishing for all our people. May it come soon and may our actions make it so. And now I invite you to sing wherever you are. Dave will sing with us the civil rights song, I'm on my way, adapted from an African-American spiritual, sung by generations of black Americans and allies who know that we are on our way and we will not turn back. May it be so. Say no. They gotta say no. They gotta say no.
Now let us say the words to extinguish the chalice and we invite you to blow out your candle at the same time. We will paste the words in the Zoom chat. Again, we'll say them in unison. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth. These we carry in our hearts until we are together again. And as we close, I invite you to reach out your hands to remember that we are together right now. We close with the words of Dr. King. However dark it is, however deep the angry feelings are, and however violent explosions are, with faith, we will be able to hew out of the mountain of despair, a stone of hope. With faith, we will be able to transform the jangling discords of our nation into a beautiful symphony. May this be so, and may love bless our country and all our people, infusing our hearts and thoughts and words and actions with hope, wisdom, and strength for the journey ahead. Go in peace, blessed be, and amen.